Welcome back to the Apples and Knives podcast, the interview series featuring Black women working and leading in food and beverage, food media, food science, food justice, and hospitality. My name is Tiffany, and in this episode, I'll speak with Leanne Martin, a chef and food blogger based in New York, and her recipes blend her Trinidadian heritage and city life and provides tools to create delicious meals artfully designed and portioned to suit solo dining. We are in the height of the holiday season, and most winter holidays are already happening. Uh, cookbooks are a great last-minute gift, and they are excellent presents for the new year. Um, for me, New Year's is my favorite holiday, and so a gift exchange just feels right at the end of the year, um, and specifically gifts that can help people their future goals, remind them to set new goals, and also support new goals. So learning how to cook, becoming a better cook, learning new recipes, learning new techniques, techniques, getting new tools, learning about new um, new cuisines, all of those are incredible uh, goals for 2021. Um, learning a new cuisine can absolutely introduce you to flavors and ingredients you've never cooked with before, and it also introduces you to the culture. Conversations to ask questions um, and just to learn about you know something else and somebody else in a different community, a different nation, um, of course, a lot of different culture. Um, Ten Speed Press offered up some incredible gems this year. Uh, Vegetable Kingdom Library Terry um, that comes complete with a tool and pantry guide and a really dope soundtrack that's also available on Spotify under Vegetable Kingdom. Uh, and then there's Indie's Kitchen by Holly Sun and Julie Tertian. This cookbook goes beyond just really incredible recipes with fantastic flavor profiles. It captures all of the love and warmth that you remember from sitting in your own grandmother's, grandmother's kitchen. So it loves and loves on and honors the rich culinary contributions of the women living in the eight African countries that touch the Indian Ocean. I'm not sure if everybody can name all eight countries, but it's definitely something to add to your New Year's goal list. Uh, let's see. And then there's Jubilee, of course, by Tony Tiffin Martin. There was a really uh, fantastic Instagram uh, live chat on the Black Food Folks uh, Instagram with uh, Tony Tiffin Martin today. And uh, her this book is just a celebration of the unsung masters of American cooking and a collection of recipes from two centuries of African-American cooks. So it's disruptive, it's respectful, it's vibrant, it's energetic, it's all of the things you want in a, in a book about food, um, highlighting really incredible recipes. So definitely add some cookbooks to your giving list this year or this season. And it's not too late, you still got time, and definitely, you know, top of the year, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, you know, through the month of January, it's a great way to start the year off by buying yourself a cookbook and then getting one for a friend. This season of the Afros and Knives podcast is sponsored by Tenspeed Press and is made possible through the generous contributions of the Patreon community. Um, if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com backslash Afros and Knives, and that's an incredible way to give monthly support. Um, I'm still raising funds for season four. Um, thank you to Talente and uh, Black Food Folks uh, for their generosity in awarding the show a $10,000 grant. 
which brings me to about 60% of the $10,000 goal. Um, funding currently sits at $6,810, and so we're getting so much closer. Um, we're actually less than $4,000 to go. So if you have a couple of extra bucks from the holidays, um, that would be awesome. <laughs> so, because I still want to hire a Manager. So there's a couple other things on the goal list to check off. Um, if you want to make a pledge to the to the fundraiser, you can go directly to the website. It gives you all the options there. Um, you can also make a donation directly through Venmo, PayPal, or the fundraising site, which is gogetfunding.com backslash Afros and Knives. And again, you find all of that on the Afros and Knives website, which is afrosandknives.com. Listening to the podcast, and you don't have the monetary uh, resources, but you want to make sure people know about the show and are listening um, and supporting, you can be sure to share an episode that you love, download, definitely subscribe. And those downloads and subscribing um, actions are so vital to the growth of a podcast to see to see us be found on like uh, the Apple podcast recommendations to see us um, show up in the uh, fresh finds on Spotify like it just to get us higher up in the rankings for new shows that people should be listening to you have to download you have to subscribe and definitely leave a comment or rate the show um, so people can get eyes on the show and we can continue to share these stories and highlight these women in a larger and larger arenas so i and i absolutely of course love to hear your feedback so definitely drop a comment directly on the website on an episode page or again review the show on apple podcast um rate the show on spotify so there's just a lot of options um Let's see. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter so you can stay up to date with on new guests, uh, on season four guests that are coming up and all of the new stuff that are, I'm introducing next season. So if you want to know more about that, definitely subscribe to the, the newsletter. Um, and then to like during the season, it'll let you know who's coming up, um, uh, what kind of new merch is coming out. So just all kinds of stuff. So definitely get on to the newsletter. And so I will not hold you any longer. Uh, let's get into this interview. Hi, my name is Leanne Martin. I am born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago. I'm coming up on my 14th year, my anniversary of moving to the U.S. It's on the 28th of September. Before that, I, have, I had 21 glorious years of living in my mother's house, i.e. not paying rent. And, uh, you know, going to school in Trinidad was fun. I was going to school for accounting. I moved to the U.S. in the fall of 2006. And I still had a, you know, still continued having a professional career in finance back in those days. And then after the market crashed, I found really interesting ways to kind of figure out how to, you know, still have a career, that type of thing. And then I started getting newsletters from the culinary school in New York because I wanted to find out more information about it. I think I was getting newsletters from ICE for like a year a good year and a half or two years or something like that before I made the jump and get formal training for cooking. So I started cooking 
for my family in Trinidad. I want to say around like 10, 11 years old. It wasn't where, you know, I was the girl of the house, so I had to cook. It was more of Ma was working shift. So my big brother would cook someday, sometimes and then everyone had to learn to, you know, fend for themselves, right, in Trinidad, in my mother's house. So I was around that age when I first picked up my pot spoon and I started cooking. It was cooking for a small group. It was for four of us, my mom, my two brothers and myself. As I got older, I started cooking for my grandmother in addition to four of us. started cooking for my grandmother when she became bedridden. And it was fun. You know, my ma, she used to be a domestic worker before she went into working at the mess hall in the oil company in Trinidad. So she's always kind of known, you know, table setting and etiquette and all these things and, you know, how to make a roux and how to make a bechamel. And so early on, she would try out these type of techniques at home for us. So when she went to work for the mess in, in the mess hall in Trinidad, on a Sunday, she wouldn't cook. She would be like, this is her off day. So I'd be the one, you know, cooking in the kitchen. But then in the week, she made it really fun because she would say, Lee, you know, what are we cooking? And we would start, you know, working on a list of things, you know, a menu, you know, Saturday we'll go to the market. She'll be like, okay, so this is the plan. We're going to get this first and this and this and this. So by hour and a half, we done coming home already. And on a Sunday, we would have breakfast and she would say, okay, so meat is seasoned. This is prep. This is good. From you have this time to this time to prep to, you know, small prep, to cook, to present, go. (laughs) And it was really fun. (laughs) It was was really fun because, and mind you, I'm telling you like a really sexy version, right? Because in she saying I had all these things to do, I also had to bathe the dog, wash my hair, (laughs) all of that before 12 o'clock, before food was up. Wow. Um, yeah. And but that's just how that, that's just how we roll, you know, even now, you know, fast forward to me living hashtag single life cooking in New Jersey. That's how I roll. You know, I'm constantly looking at what's in stock. What do I have in the cupboard? You know, before I even make it to the grocery store, I'm like, OK, what do I have? That type of thing. Things are planned out because that's how I've been trained ever since I was didn't even hit puberty. <laughs> wow. Um, so that's really where it started. And then fast forward to culinary school was was interesting. I felt like um, culinary school was, you know, I was a girl, a woman, sorry, from Trinidad coming into culinary school. I thought that my other classmates knew more than me. So I would constantly test myself. You know, I would go into the grocery stores and like walk down the aisles and name herbs and, you know, be the annoying person talking to the butchers and that type of thing. Also, I realized I didn't have a culinary resume. And couple of the first conversations we had with our um, chef instructor was the life of a chef and like the real nitty gritties of it, right? So I started working on a culinary resume. So I think, I think like the second or third week into me being in culinary school, I started volunteering with the James Baird House. 
And then back in those days, I was a part of this really cool book club in Brooklyn where one of the ladies knew one of the directors at the Bowery Residence Committee downtown in, in the city. And they really helped with, you know, getting homeless people off the streets, making sure they had a place to live, that type of thing. So I, you know, met with the director and I pretty much pitched to them, you know, a healthy on the low kind of cooking demo for the elderly residents at the home. So I used to do that once a week. It was on a budget. You know, we didn't complicate stuff. We would do like broccoli soup. With literally with no cream and no cheese and everything, because these are, you know, they were elderly people on a budget. So I wanted to, for them to know how to live and mm. how to eat and how to, you know, you didn't need all these heavy, rich creams, nor did you need to buy these things to have a good, decent meal, right? Right. So we did things like that. We think did things like, you know, how to, you know, use rotisserie chicken to, you know, make something, you know, for the week, that type of thing. So I started on my culinary resume. And it's interesting because I've never saw myself going in the path of other people. I'm always thinking about, okay, so what do I want to do? And that is what I wanted to do at that time. I wanted to volunteer my services at the bed house and I wanted to volunteer with the Bowery Residence Committee because I wanted to learn how to instruct. I wanted to learn how to teach. I wanted to learn those things. For me, it was just kind of just pulling shit together. Just like the more shit that I had on the resume was the better, right? Right. Um, and then culinary school was great. You know, it was one of those things where I paid for it myself. So it had to work. <laughs> I understand that completely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then, you know, but this was me always having, while going to culinary school, I, I was having a part-time job. I remember at that job specifically, one of my coworkers who is now one of my besties, she would cover for me. I would come in late because I was working two jobs. I was, I, you know, I was going to culinary school and then I was volunteering and I was doing all these other things. And then there was many a times like I would be sleeping at my desk. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, but they would all cover for me because when I was in culinary school, I used to bring so much shit for them. <laughs> there was there was it was a happy exchange <laughs> it, it, was, it was such a happy exchange but the other thing too is that that job was kind of like one of the stepping stone jobs so to speak so everyone there was either going to school or understood some of the struggles that you know we all were having so we all really came together um I remember at that job particular in particular one of my co-workers who's again one of my besties now we would go to Chinatown. She is from Singapore. So we'd go to, she'd take me to Chinatown and she'd translate and we'd buy all these things and she'd introduce me to ingredients. That was the first time I saw black chicken. It was so great. We, I don't know, I don't know what we did when the day come, honestly, because <laughs> <laughs> I felt like all we did was, or it felt like all we did was you know, and we were also in fashion districts. So like it was, it was, it was, I don't know what, what the hell we did when the day come honestly, but that job really gave me the time and the brain space to focus on culinary school. And of course, you know, after culinary school, you know, you had the, in the externships, that type of thing. I ended up kind of working at the restaurant that I did my externship with. Um, and I want to say, although I didn't have, I didn't have representation through 
a black woman in leadership, I did have representation with two sous chefs being black at the restaurant, as well as another chef who was a pastry chef there who was a black female. So there was representation when I started my externship. And still now I could still call on them for any type of, you know, mentoring or any advice or anything like that. But during all of this, I've always had a full-time job. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. And then there was, I made a shift and I went into, I know I'm giving you like a very kind of loopy story, but um, I went into public accounting and I was an assistant at one of the top accounting firms. And that job was really, really demanding. It was demanding because of the position and what I wanted because I liked it. And that is when I kind of took a break from cooking professionally. But then I normally go home to Trinidad every year for Christmas. And I use that time to figure out goals, to decompress, that type of thing. And I kid you not, it was Boxing Day or something like that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start blogging and around, and that was the time we were using, what was the site we were using for blogging back, back then? Um, What is it? A a, a, a blogger? Um, It was one, oh my God, what was the site we were using? Blogspot? It was was such a cool, it was such a cool site we were using back then. And I was using, I was doing that. And then I made, and I went into WordPress and I did everything like unboxing night or something. I said, you know what, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. This is this is the one of the goals for this year for me to make sure that I, you know, work on the craft and I share my stories and that type of thing. And that's really how I started blogging. Blogging in, in the early was very difficult for me because I did not want to share anything about myself. <laughs> same it was very hard I remember for me to write my bio I would speak to my friend and I would cry and I was like I do not want people to know this about my, myself I I did not want to do it and I don't know I probably took the stick off my ass and you know everything kind of no I can't stop talking <laughs> <laughs> um but it was difficult because I, 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 I wanted to choose what I wanted to share. And that's what it, it wasn't. It wasn't really the most genuine way to go about, it, especially if I wanted to gain relatability and that type of thing. So blogging in the beginning was pretty difficult, but it was also very it was good for me to, you know, work on recipes and work on measurements and that type of thing. And because I've always had a career in finance and accounting and that type of thing, it was easy for me to kind of work on a schedule, you know, really stick to the schedule as well, too. I was taking pictures with my phones and I know the sun would be up at this and this time. So everything was planned. And yeah, so that part of my life, I have absolutely no problem with. But again, people might think that's rigid, but I think having that type of organization in my life was was fun. I liked the process. It was great. And then, you know, I was doing like, you know, things here and there. But I think my career and my life as a chef really took flight when I turned 30. Mm. And that was five years ago. And I felt like I turned 30 and I just got my life. And I started to really kind of 
put the post-its up on the wall and say, you could do this, this is what you're going to do, and really go back to the person I was when I was in culinary school of just walking my own road and not looking to other people's paths paths so i am being trinidadian right now where i'm not pronouncing like my ths and you know not following other people's paths and and stuff like that so i just did me so when i turned 30 something clicked and i was like aha this is what i'm going to do i'm going to keep on blogging but this is the vibe this is where i see myself this is what i'm going to do i'm going to start by traveling i'm going to you know go to these caribbean islands and understand what makes them so unique because caribbean food does not have a blueprint because of slavery because of all these things every right. island have their own thing all of it is cook curry okay fine but everybody makes it different and i just wanted to kind of hi- understand that learn about it highlight it because i have relation to trinidadian food and as much as i still want to cook Trinidadian food for people to highlight Trinidadian food at my dinners. I felt I owed it to myself. I owed it to people in the Caribbean. I owed it to my readers of my blog to understand, to highlight, to big up the Caribbean. So I started with some of the English Caribbean islands, starting with St. Lucia, starting with Barbados, Trinidad, of course, and then Grenada. And then I, I branched off to Martinique, but that was very specific because I wanted to under get get a, a tiny I wanted to get like my palette wet for, you know, rums out there and rum agricole out there and that type of thing. So that was really sexy. That was really good. So with the travel came and, and please interrupt me because <laughs> I could go I could go on and on. That's that's the point. That's the point. No, you're you fine. Know. I am just because I'm just taking it all in and you know, listening through because usually I'm like, oh, I have a question about that, and then you turn around and answer it. So you are perfectly fine okay. <laughs> right now. You're good. Okay. Um so so yeah, so it started off with that. So St. Lucia really stood out for me because of what they were doing with their agriculture and the gap they were the, the gap they were closing between the farming and the hotels and how they were using technology to fill this gap so when mm. i went to st lucia they were they had this program called uh the it was a virtual agriculture clearinghouse where the restaurants were communicating directly with farmers through WhatsApp. So they weren't really leaning too heavily. They they were trying not to, sorry, lean heavily on the imports, but try to really try to really push local that way. And then, you know, for instance, if you have, if your supplier is a farmer from the north and he didn't have something, you can reach out to a farmer from the south or something like that. So it was really interesting. And then the landscape of St. Lucia reminded me of Trinidad. It's very hilly, that type of thing. In order for me to go to St. Lucia, I Mm -hmm. pitched the idea to the St. Lucia Hotel and Tourism Association for me to come on board, for me to kind of shadow them, for me to write about it, that type of thing. So that was really, really cool because they were like, I think they were like, "Eh, okay. <laughs> really, but but you know what I did? I did like what anyone else did, right? I I I worked my contacts, right? And I, you know, one thing led to the other, one person led to the other, and then I ended up in Saint Lucia. 
it was really, really great. As much as, you know, on Twitter, I like to say I'm bougie or that bullshit. When I go home and I think of the Caribbean, so when I go home, I'm going to jump in a maxi. I'm taking public transportation. Right. I am. I got my sneakers on. I have my my cap on. I am. I'm a road warrior. It's great. <laughs> so when I when I reached the Saint Lucia, I jumped in a maxi and I went to the grocery store and I bought stuff and I jumped in a maxi and I came back up and and it was good. And then I met with the with the team from the St. Lucia Hotel and Tourism Association and they were polished and they were ready for me and they had everything set. And while I was there, I had the opportunity to really shadow them. And then shadowing them meant closely working with the guard team, sorry, from with the virtual housing, virtual agricultural clearing housing, sorry, clearing association. And that meant going to farms and speaking mm. to farmers and seeing how the communications were going and seeing the crops. Simultaneously, getting crops and getting supplies for the quarterfinals for their setting their national culinary team together to do this, you know, Caribbean event. So I, I was a judge there and everything. So it was very, very cool. Really, Ooh, really nice. cool stuff. So with all that cool stuff, I'm going to totally bypass how I got totally wasted in this <laughs> tiny fishing village, wind down to the ground, wind, wind up, wind down. It was, it was a sight. So I'll totally bypass that. Um, yeah, so that was really good. And then it just kind of had me hungry for more. And I would get questions from people about saying, you know, why not start with Trinidad? And I said to myself, you know, these islands have so much to offer. And unfortunately, you know, some of the bigger islands, because how they're marketed to the world, yeah, they get more of the limelight, which is fine. However, it has so much creativity and so much talent and so much really good thought process that's going on with the, with the people in these islands. I really wanted to not focus on that, but explore that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So then, and I really had to push myself with everything. I always look at when people say, you know, this one said I couldn't do it and that one said I couldn't do it. And I try to recollect to see if anyone has ever told me I couldn't do anything. And the things that I come up with is, even if they told me I couldn't do something, I probably didn't even hear them. I think I battle with doubting myself mm, <laughs> you know what oh, I'm saying yeah. oh, doubting yeah. myself and kind of you know coming out guns are blazing and then you know retreating and then I'm like oh I'm scared that type of thing so <laughs> after that Saint Lucia where I just busted out of the walls and I was like I'm going to do this I just felt like you know sky was the limit from there and that's really where the career started taking off and again I've always ever had a full-time job with everything so after that, it was it's still blogging. And then I started going into more of the pop-up dinners and everything. Right. And then, you know, along the way, you meet all these really cool, interesting people in the industry and forge relationships with, which was cool because that was another thing that I didn't really have coming from public accounting. I felt like I only ever knew 
accountants and lawyers and 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 people in either my company or in other companies that did the same thing, right? So right. forging relationships and going to these events was also big, and networking was also very big to big for me because I felt like I was still working on the the my culinary resume. Mm. Um. And then I don't know. Tell me a question. Ask me. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I'm. She's like, it's starting to. I'm starting to lose the timeline. I'm starting to lose the timeline. Um, well, I was because th- I was thinking through, like, after looking at, like, you're you're reading through your blogs and um, or your blog posts, and then looking at the website and kind of just, you know, when people. Uh, I understand that idea of like not wanting to like blog because like you just don't want to offer that much of yourself to the public. And mm-hmm. like, I've always struggled. I'm still terrible, terribly disciplined at it. And plus it's that idea of like, well, what do people really want to hear about? Like, why do you like, who is, who is reading this? Like mm-hmm. there's still a, an element of kind of the ridiculous to me for mm-hmm. lack of a better word where I'm like, no one is going to read this. Who is going to come here and read this? Why mm-hmm. would this mm-hmm. be important to somebody? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I read other people's stuff and it, you know, it occurs to me like each time that there is a because you put a small piece of yourself into all of your work, it, like you show up everywhere. I also your DNA is all over the, mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. you produce. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that you want people to learn or take away mm-hmm. when they come to your blog or when they encounter your brand, you know, about who you are and what's important to you? And, you know, cause I like reading a bio or kind of going through someone's like CV or resume just doesn't give you too much. It gives you like what they've done and mm-hmm. possibly what they produced in the world so far. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a blog is kind of, is a really different space cause you can explore a little bit more and you can kind of hear that person's voice in the world and see how they move through the world. You know, I noticed like the blog is a mix of like recipes and then like exploration and like following your curiosity and then reporting back on that. Have you, you know, what are your thoughts about where you want to take your writing work and like your writing career is that something you planned on expanding or mm-hmm. you kind of looking at where we are and what opportunities to pivot and you know to you know are has anything new kind of popped up in your space since we've been on you know the journey of uh, COVID-19 mm-hmm, and mm-hmm civil unrest and mm-hmm. all the other things, you know, what do you, you know, when you, cause I remember turning 30 and that's when I decided to be a chef. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand that kind of transformative moment. And so from that point, it's kind of like, okay, where do I go? Cause I, I did the same thing. I didn't take any really traditional routes mm-hmm. culinary mm-hmm. wise. My trajectory was really unique and uh, on purpose and mm-hmm. purposefully unique. But yeah, at this point, like, where do you see though that like specifically like the blog space? Cause I love the idea of like someone who can offer readers uh, opportunity to deep dive into into like island culture and mm-hmm. Caribbean culture and like all of those islands and because there's just there's more there's so much more there there's so much more depth there than people understand or know because they are only able to really engage with those with the islands through tourism yes yeah and yeah. they're not able to really understand what it's like to you know be born and raised and live a life and and, you know, grow a family or, you know, have your identity directly attached to being a resident. And so, um, you know, like, do you see your your blog or your work kind of pivoting a bit even heavier into that space? Sure. So I'm going to go back and then come forward because what you said was like, you know, exactly some of the things that I've thought about, thinking about, have put into practice already. So mm-hmm. when it comes to 
blogging back then when I was having such a hard time in sharing, you know, parts of myself, I focused more on the recipes where the parts of myself that I wanted to share, I could have controlled, you know, you know, what I ate on a Sunday morning, you know, what I ate on a Thursday, you know, I like chocolate chip cookies, you know, things like that. But now looking back, well, not looking back now, I feel more, I feel way more comfortable writing and writing about myself where that has kind of pushed the envelope to, you know, last year having two published articles. And that made me really, really happy to see my, you know, my stories out there. It was one of those things, not necessarily about would people read it, but more of kind of like, nah, people need to read this because it's my perspective. It's fresh. It's new people are going to get it, especially I wanted to really showcase, you know, you know, the calmness, the surrealness, the bacchanal, the food, the culture, mm. the flavor, the heat, everything through the lens of Caribbean life. And that was amazing. So because of last year, I said that, and you know, last year, well, 2018-19, I started my dinner series called A Table for Four, where oh, okay. I had a dinner series out of my home that, you know, it's cute to say that my dining table could only seat four, but ever since I was 10 years old, I was cooking for four people. So I'm very comfortable at that capacity. And it was really nice for people to, to I wanted to invite my diners to come and see, you know, where I cook, where I blog, how I vibe, that type of thing. I wanted it sexy and friendly. I didn't want the rush. I wanted it to be curated where I was able to kind of pluck people from certain, you know, whomever reached out to me or whoever I reached out to, to make the conversation kind of sway in a different direction, that type of thing. So that was really, really cool. You know, after I did, you know, those two published articles last year, I felt like I wanted to kind of go in that direction. I felt like, you know, this voice was something that I could, you know, and everything was working together. It's not like if one of the goals was so far left that it was just not working with like my brand or, you know, the goal that I had or anything like that. Right. So for the past two years, I was doing my pop-up dinners and in the fall of 2019, I started a new job. A, oh. a new full-time job okay. and we're starting the new job but even before that because at the beginning of the year because my brain is never shuts off so in 2019 I the end of 2018 I resigned my full-time job because I wanted to concentrate more on traveling and I was pretty checked out at corporate America honestly but because I'm goal oriented and structured, I told myself by in the fall, I need to have a full-time job regardless of it being in full-time in food and beverage or full-time in corporate America. Mm -hmm. um, so with the beginning part of the year, I traveled a lot trying to figure things out. You know, last year was one of those years where it was very new. I've never experienced anything like it. <laughs> um, and it, it, it was fun. It was, it was, it was tricky. It was anxiety forming, but it had its rewards. And with one of the rewards came me being able to write these two articles and have it be published. And I'm really excited. I'm really happy about them. 
but because of me being goal-oriented, even before the end of the year last year, I said I wanted to pivot and do more write, uh, professional writing mm. um, this year. And I had pitched some stuff, but honestly, COVID, and I think, you know, my mom kind of like low-key yelled at me for this, where I kind of allowed COVID to kind of run my life. Mm, and I understand that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't have to be in the office or in a location to write. I could have written from the house, like what I've always done, but right. I just really wasn't in the brains. I didn't, I wasn't in the, in that space. To right, write. right. And I just shut off. Oh, I understand that. Like, yeah, I, mean, I just, I just really shut off. So I felt like I celebrated a birthday in August, and I think after my birthday, it was one of those kind of transitional periods. Like I'm sure other people go through, where I'm like, aha, I think I've gotten my life again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I think I got my mojo back. I think this I have great. my mojo back, and I think yeah. I'm, 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 I'm getting the vibe now. So I'm, I'm getting my juices flowing. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing things, I'm feeling things, I'm tasting things, I'm remembering things, I'm starting to write them down. Um, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, oh. I, I kind of like the writing thing. I'm in no way, you know, a professional food writer, like big up to all, because I, I constantly ask myself, I'm just like, where are people getting the energy yeah. <laughs> it's true it's true it's like how do you how are you staying inspired and like curious and um, I'm um for the first couple of months I'm still not inspired what right right M- it's March, you know April mid June I was not it's, inspired it's super challenging and it's you know like when you look at other writers who are really just kind of pumping out more you know all, yes. who always have new content up who are always kind of thinking in a really fresh space and you know like when I look at it and I'm like, I've had a few articles I've been able to like write and submit that have been published and it's been great, but it's just like, Ooh, that's see, I mean, you know, and I, under, I absolutely understand like not being in the headspace to like create, mm-hmm. 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 not having the bandwidth to, to write. Cause you're mm-hmm. just like, I am, um, I, I'm in a low energy cycle. I just thought people should know. Uh, I, might, <laughs> I might rally at some point here, but not right now. To see people, you know, continue just to kind of just persist and produce really beautiful work and um, put some really beautiful writing out there. I absolutely understand. Like, I'm, I'm definitely I marvel at it most of the time. It was definitely because I was going to say it's not low energy, but it was definitely low energy because, you know, I live by myself and I've, I had to show up for the nine to five. I had to do all these things and I didn't know how to how to show up for myself in a pandemic, you know, like, how do I put on the, ca- you know, put on the calendar? Cause you know, we live by calendars. Yeah. How do I put on the calendar? I have to write. Or how do I tell myself I have to write when all I have is myself in this apartment, you know? Exactly. It was, it was, it was, it was challenging. It still is challenging, but you know what helped me just opening my mouth and being like, I need help. I need to talk. I have this idea. I want to do this, but I'm afraid. What am I afraid of? I don't know, but I feel that way. Where is that coming from? And I just had to open up my mouth and talk and express myself to, you know, some, some, some people that I could really trust that they would not give me recommendations or advice based on our relationship, but they would give me advice based on, you know, being in like a slump 
and understanding the need to come out of that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, and there's a handful of con- there's a couple of conversations I've had over the last few weeks yeah. where, you know, like recognizing like where I am and just kind of going, I am having a hard, you know, I was talking to a friend and I was like, I'm having a hard time, you know, rallying mm-hmm. right now and mm-hmm. trying and finding kind of a bounce back and to, you know, like feeling like myself and feeling normal and feeling creative and all of yeah. those things. And like, you know, it's hard. You feel like you can't access, you know, whatever that is at the moment. And you're just trying to figure out how, how I can get access to that again. And it's just like, okay, how much self-care and meditating and and all the other things do I need to do in order to kind of return to like myself and get like recentered and regrounded. And, you know, like it occurred to me last week, like, wait, well, you know what, getting to this place was a process. So Mm -hmm. getting out of this space would be a process as well. Right. Um, So like each day, it's just like, okay, if I can accomplish, these handful of things today and not, you know, cause it's so easy to like kind of put things on a back burner or mm-hmm, procrastinate mm-hmm. on some other things in order to preserve the energy you do have. And it's just like, you realize like the more you do that, the harder it is to kind of crawl out of that space. So it's just really been a matter of like taking each day and going, okay, what else can I do? What else can I, you know, what else, what small thing can I produce or create today? And, you know, the other thing that I had to, you know, kind of tell myself is, I've had some big wins. So if for these couple of months, I don't, it's okay. You know, I've had some big wins in my life. I've contributed to big wins in my, in my friends' lives, in my, some of my acquaintances' lives. Um, I make my boss look good. I make my boss look good every day. So I, you know, I, I felt like me telling myself that, you know, yo, relax. Like if you don't, come up with a word for six months, you're fine. You know what I'm saying? That was, I think for me, that's a yeah. part of the self-care because me being hard on myself every weekend or hard on myself on every Wednesday when I said I was going to write and I haven't written anything, wasn't doing anything for my anxiety, wasn't doing anything for the way I thought about myself or how I thought about the process. So that really helped with me because in all actuality, Tiffany, like I've had some good wins in my life from 30 to now 35. I've accomplished a lot. I, I, you know, I was able to really rally and be a sister friend. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a no nonsense type of person. I like to think that people appreciate the no nonsense-ness about me. And I, I live a good life. So I say, you know what, Leanne? relax yourself. <laughs> it's true. Like, I'm going to stop being so hard on myself like, about stop this. Stop being so hard on yourself, you know. But with me not being hard on myself really kind of opened the gateway for me to just have conversation with people. Just Wonderful. have conversation with people about, you know, what 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 the industry is going to look like, the loopholes, you know, something that could be better. It's It had me having conversations with my mother that we've never had those conversations before. And this is my very Trini mother. We've wow. spoken about, you know, voting and voting party and racism. We've even spoken about, you know, you know, we always speak about like, you know, the LBGTQ community, but we really kind of got in depth with that. And we also spoke about abortion. And I've never had that conversation with my mom. I love that. I love it. It's like, oh, okay, this, you know, that was one of the the harder things to just like remain focused on, like, especially, especially right around March and April Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. things started to like shut down. 
it was, okay, what opportunities are there? What am I, you know, how can I keep my eyes focused on possibilities and not so much, you know, the loss because there's been so much of it this Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can kind of, so you can stay hopeful. So you can like, remember like, this is not going to be forever. And when we get to the other side of it, like I want to be prepared with, you know, whatever, creativity or ideas have come to me over this time, I want to be able, I want to be prepared to take action on them. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I was really, I'm always curious about when people are kind of, you know, either a hold pattern or a pause in life at the moment is like, what things are you currently curious about? What things mm-hmm. make you excited about the, you know, like that you're looking into the future that you're really excited about because mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, once they let us out the house again, we can yep. go do these things. Yeah. Um, but like what things are making you excited about the food industry that you've seen? What is making you curious? Is there any food styles, food trends, recipes, cookbooks, like things Mm -hmm. like that, that have kind of come into the space this year Mm -hmm. that were, you know, pleasant surprises for you that Mm -hmm. you kind of were like, oh, this, you know, was not something I expected to either excite me or move me or make me curious. And, you know, it's just something you want to explore more of. Right. So I think what's been going on in food media is giving, if you don't lead away for yourself with the opportunities that's been, you know, presenting itself within food media, then that's probably not for you. And I've been really been interested in how it's been forming itself, you know, post, you know, what's been going on in food media. We're just going to leave you there. And because I want to write more, I've just been kind of figuring out and understanding and being comfortable with the type of writing style that I want to write in. So last week, there was this literary fest. It's called the Bocas Literary Fest, and it's out of Trinidad, and everything was virtual. And I read one of my friends, well, one of my colleagues, which I would really like for him to be a friend, more like a mentor, really. He sent me one of these. They have an ebook that came out with the literary festival. And it was kind of like this kind of Caribbean futuristic. It was just like a hundred pages of like short stories, and it was really cool. And it was less of fantasy and spirituality mixed into future like an afrofuturism books like some of the afrofuturism books mm-hmm. and more about the practicalities around the benefits of literally using the things that we have and our talents on living on an island in the future and that's kind of because I love fiction books I love I think i write in that form sometimes and just kind of understanding the the type of writing that I would like to do obviously incorporating food obviously incorporating some of the things that I've lived through and you know things that I reminisce about and kind of things that are looking forward I also love food when you're moving forward but looking back so I've just been playing around with you know some styles that I would like to write and that type of thing and I've been wanting to go to Belize for forever. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they also have this very rich Afro-Belizean history and food and everything. So I just bought a Belizean cookbook called Lick Your Finger. I bought it from, uh, I'm going to botch it. I hope I don't. It's, uh, it's a bookshop. It's an online bookshop from the Brooklyn Caribbean 
Literary Festival. Okay. I really like them. They had their first year last year. They had a second year of, of, of it this year. But their bookshop really gives an insight to Caribbean authors and that type of thing. And that's what I need. So I'm really looking forward to when that gets delivered. Um, and then... <laughs> She's like, go ahead and deliver my mail, please. Yeah, Thank I'm you. really looking forward to whenever that gets delivered. It is coming from a local bookstore, so it may take a little while because, you know, you know, support local, you know, the big bookstores and the big online, you know, they don't need my money, right? So support local. Exactly. Um, and then culturally, what really... So I made my first trip to Kent, to the continent this year. I went to Nairobi and I don't think I've expressed to people how giddy I still am from actually landing on the continent. Like I was in Africa. I think that is such a big thing for me to see. I was supposed to make two more trips out there this year, but you know, the situation. So for a very long time, I've been very in love with South African culture and understanding the language and which is still not it's still very foreign to me but I'm I'm I'm, I so need to go out there and I want to know and I want to see and I want to smell and I want to get so consumed with their food that is like as this COVID thing finish and we could travel I am going to South Africa Oh, I like, I'm, I'm such, I'm so, I've been exploring, uh, visiting options as well as relocation options. Oh, well, yes, because you and I did speak about that in an IG chat and, um, I did message the Senegalese, um, embassy because I, listen, something gotta give. (laughs) Yeah. I just feel like sometimes it's like, you know what? Life is already challenging enough. Why would I stay someplace where I'm not, where I'm obviously not welcome? And of course, you know, we we just not welcome. And, you know, there's, there are plenty of, you know, I've heard all the arguments like, well, it's not great anywhere either. And, you know, like y'all, y'all stop it. That is, you know, it's so, so, so far from the point. And, you know, to be unwelcome in a place because of something you didn't decide on and don't control Mm -hmm. is really Mm -hmm. different than feeling unwelcome in a space for something you did choose. And Mm -hmm. you're like, well, I made, I chose a lifestyle or I chose a, a job or an occupation or whatever. I weighed my, I weighed the opposition and I understand what it will be like to live this way mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. you know, cause even in that regard, like, well, I can always change jobs. I can change vocations. I can change neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. But when you are in a, when you are in your skin and it's not something you can make a change on, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, to be unwelcome to, to your, for your skin color to be weaponized against you is really different than feeling unwelcome in a space because you happen to be the local school teacher and people don't like education. Yes. Like that's not the same. So, so for me, I'm always like, I've heard the ex I've heard the excuses or the, the arguments against, you know, well, you're not going to get the same, whatever, whatever service, you know, your taxes are going to be higher. And I'm like, yeah, but what are my taxes paying for here? Yeah. My taxes aren't low here. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm paying, you know, 2%. I'm still paying 35% in personal income tax here. So it's not like it's yeah. a low income tax bill. Mm-hmm. But what am I getting in return? Mm-hmm. So if I end up paying 45% of my income to a government and they provide me with free education, free health care, better social services yeah. and things like yeah. that, then like, what's the complaint? Yeah, so, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Tiffany, why, why not? Why not try to live somewhere else like why not 
exactly i'm just like so like you know if my quality of life and like living in a different place is what i want to do then i don't feel the need to justify or explain that to anyone um you know like this is not the only country in the world like it's just it's funny someone a friend of mine wrote a piece on medium and talked about how there is this kind of I'm an American, so I don't have to apologize for anything attitude that is like just increasingly pervasive. And it just shows itself in so many places, specifically like police brutality. And it's like, well, I'm mm-hmm. an American. I don't have to apologize for my behavior or my beliefs because I'm an American. And I'm like, what does that even mean, though? You're like you're a non-country. <laughs> but that is an opinion from we're not going to say we're just going to say that there are certain biases that people live by that is not educated. <laughs> exactly. These are this is the, those are the opinions of people who don't read. I'm just going to just put it out there. But not only that, I feel like you don't have to apologize. It's that just screams classism and low-key like xenophobia <laughs> it's it's so true it's just like you know that shows so much like, more about your character yeah, than it does yeah. my choices yeah so like it's so i mean and for me it's the one thing i think i will take away from 2020 the most and it's you know always a lesson i've had in the back of my mind but it seems to be plenty of examples on what happens when you don't is this idea of just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it. Correct. Opinions are cheap. They're a commodity. Everybody has them. They have multiple opinions. So like just because you think about it doesn't mean you have to say it. And in, and, and more so, it doesn't mean that it's a fact or a truth mm-hmm. or a law or mm-hmm. anything that somebody else has to abide by. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there is like that prevalent idea that, well, it's my opinion. So it most it must be important. And I'm like, I am so sorry to inform you, but it is not. <laughs> and, 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 and that is and that is, you know, for those opinions are the reasons why you have to put an alert for people to, you know, kind of know where you're getting your information from and only reference credible sources because people are taking these opinion pieces as Bible and thinking that I should be thinking like like that or I should be living like that when, you know, if people would just make some decisions on their own and read and educate themselves, it, it would be totally different. My friend said she's not built for war. I am not built for war, Tiffany. I am not. I'm just, that's just not my ministry. That's not how I want to see myself in the world. I am able to, I like to use my voice, my position, my brain in a way that I can, that I could sleep at night for the betterment of my people, for the betterment of myself, to make sure that, you know, I'm still working on legacy that type of thing. You know what I'm saying? But when people are out here saying some fuck shit, I'm just not about that life. I just, I just, I don't suffer fools. I don't, I don't have time for like the, the foolishness and the bullshittery that that I don't, I just, that's not my platform. Um, and I just, I, at some point you just, I just disengage. I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to let you continue to uh, use my time and because it's valuable and it's, it should call and I'm going to start charging you if you keep wasting it. And it's, Tiffany, it's you, you know, understand I, how precious and valuable time is. 
I mean, you don't get it back. So like, why would I let you continue to abscond with five or 10 minutes of my day being stupid? I don't do that. And you know, for the most part, I still have to remember that and I have a hard time with this of understanding who's in the room with you because you don't want to be caught not, you know, blindsided with bullshit, right? But it's 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 really hard. But, you know, disengaging with, with it is healthy as well, too. But I'm just, I, I feel like I am less focused on the bullshit and more focused on, okay, so what am I going to do in this struggle? How am I going to navigate in this world? If I am, you know, logging in to my laptop for my nine to five, how am I going to make changes on the nine to five? How am I going to, you know, be impactful so we diversify? What does diversity mean? What are the the measures we are taking? What are the behaviors we have to change? What are the languages we we have to start using? So that's how I'm using my voice. I am not using my voice to engage in bullshit because at this stage in my life, I want to, if at the end of 2020, I could say, okay, I didn't lose a pound and I didn't write anything. I could at least say I use my voice for X, Y, and Z instead of saying, well, this person made me cry or that person hurt my feelings or some fuck shit like that. I ain't got time for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just like, I am, I want to be positioned and poised for like the next thing. And if I waste time, with the foolishness, yeah. then I can't do that. And, I'm, yeah. you know, it's just like you, I cannot split my time policing clowns on the internet and also try to build something. Yeah. Like, I have to expend that energy in the right places. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? The hour just goes by so fast. Lord it does. Oh, okay. Okay. Final questions. Final uh-huh. questions. <laughs> um, one, what does, um, what does the, what is it? Your, your pop-up dinner and your, because the idea of inviting people into your home and feeding them has always been something that has been on my to-do list. Like mm-hmm. I became obsessed with like building out a little, a, a little tiny kitchen in my, uh, my rental and just mm-hmm. serving two or three people for dinner or lunch every single day. So it's mm-hmm. always been an idea that I've loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, where do you see that concept going in the next year? Um, mm-hmm. Cause I truly believe like at some point next year, we will all be in a place where we can, you know, ex- you know, hopefully have hit a reset button on some mm-hmm. things and been able to like pivot and rebuild and oh, good Lord and stop the bleeding. Um, mm, so where do you mm, see mm. that moving? Um, and then where can people read your work and engage with your brand, engage with you? And then what are your plans for the blog going forward? So my pop-up, um, as I said, it ran for most of 2018, 2019. And, you know, I really wanted to focus on something that I could deliver on. And cooking for four people, be it three or four courses of plated or three or four courses of plated combined with family style food is definitely up my alley. Because it's my home, I did not, nor do I want to, nor do I have a, well, the New York Times article kind (laughs) of diminished that, right? But I did not want to advertise it on social media. I wanted to kind of regulate um, how much people come in my house because it's still my apartment, right? It's still my safe space. It's still where exactly. I rest my head. Um, right. 
So I, because of the blog, I had a mailing list and some of the really cool people that I've met on social media and I would reach out to them and I would, you know, kind of pick and choose. Or some people had the opportunity to just like buy the four spots for, you know, a special occasion. So that was very cool where I was able to really curate it. You know, if, you know, they told me they didn't eat meat or anything, I would curate the dinners to kind of highlight ital food or highlight food or highlight a dessert that was made with you know, no, no dairy, no eggs, you know, nothing like that, because it can be done, right? And people just be so wowed. Um, also, I, I am me, I'm not going to front on a plate. I like heavy stews, I like rice, I like, you know, ground provisions, that's how we eat in the Caribbean. I have my story to tell on that is a real story. And that's what I'm going to cook. So when I cook these with these ingredients, I love the stories of some of my guests saying, well, you know, I didn't eat that growing up. I didn't like it before stepping into your kitchen. It's because we kind of grew up you getting it in a default and we either boil and fried, right? So I like to kind of push the envelope with some ingredients that I'm accustomed to or the less desired, you know, ingredients that people may, you know, think that they don't like. I, I really love to highlight those. Where I see it going, even if things get back to normal, so to speak, the pop-ups would still be not as frequent, not as frequent as they once were just because I want to kind of take like a deeper dive into food writing. Um, mm, okay. I think if it does come up, I think it'd be more leisurely where I am ex um, experimenting and testing more recipes for a bigger goal and not charging people to come and experience the, the food in that way. And then... For the my website, I one of the other goals that I started working on was more consulting. So that is a goal. And in consulting, I mean more operations for small and medium food and beverage companies where I would like to come in and kind of work on, you know, the operational needs, the organizational needs, you know, kind of brainstorm with them some of the admin things that they might not be thinking about, but it's definitely there. You know, if we have to automate certain things, you know, and also what's really big for me is training because I want small and medium sized businesses, food and beverage businesses to really look at their self if they are you know, sole proprietor, or, you know, they're, they're, they're working by themselves. So even if they have a crew of, you know, five to 10 people, I want them to really look at it as a business, you know, and not just the creative aspect of the business, but understand the operations and the business aspect, not saying that people don't, but I would like to be an ally in in their goal as well. So that was one of the things that I started working on. So I think it's just going to be an evolution of my services and the things that, that I'm passionate about. And I'm really passionate about kind of marrying both worlds, marrying my administrative professional background, um, marrying my time in corporate America and marrying my understanding in the food and beverage industry. And that would be amazing if I could get if I could do all of that from an island, girl. Bye. <laughs> I love that you're like so. Um, I don't have to be stateside to do anything. It'd be wonderful. Um, yeah. So, so it's it, it just going to be um, like an an evolution of you know the website, my services, and I guess you know once I get back on the ball of writing, I could just always plug that to the to the site. But there are some publications that I would really really like to 
I like I love taste. I love life and time. I really, really love life and time. I love compound butter. I like the smaller ones. Um and I also have some ideas to kind of still get my name out in the Caribbean as well too in that market. So we're gonna see. All we are right. going to see. All right. So for your to for people to be able to connect with you, mm-hmm. um, those those socials that, you know, you'd prefer people to follow you on. Um, mm-hmm. I know I have a handful because I don't like everybody on my personal one. <laughs> and um, and then ways for people to get in contact with you if they want to reach out and, you know, are interested in your work or your writing and um, or just have you know questions about what um, about connecting and maybe partnership. Sure. Um, so on Twitter and Instagram, um, my handle is at Chef Leanne, L-E-I-G-H-A-N-N. And on Facebook, I'm not really on Facebook as much, um, but if I could get to it, I think, <laughs> I think, oh yeah, so on, on Facebook, my, my, my name is, uh, Chef Leanne Martin, um, on Facebook, but Instagram and Twitter, and then you could be, you know, my information's there that if you want to email me, you could, it's info at leannemartin.com and, or, slide up in my DM like it's fine we could you know have something informal then we could always take it off of you know social media and take it on to um, email where it's more formal that type of thing but I am open to to not not this is going to sound bad <laughs> no no to, it's going to sound honest go ahead <laughs> I'm open to talking to everyone <laughs> <laughs> that protect your space, people. Protect your space. But you know, everyone is able to weed these things out in you know social media, you know that type of thing. So if anyone wants to seriously speak to me about an idea that they have, or if they need anything, by all means, please. But um, absolutely, yeah. yeah I'm a, I'm a strong proponent for protecting your space and saying no. But that's really, but that's really so for not nice to say, right? Because I. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know what? And, and, my, and my thing is, I think that is one of those, it's one of those indoctrinations that come from, um, that are, that is really kind of a, a side effect of white supremacy is to make people feel some type of like shame or some type of special type of way for saying no or for protecting their space. And it's just like, no, right. I don't have to accept everybody into my space. You don't. And I don't have All to right. say yes to everything. You don't. <laughs> but no, no, that no, ID. You know, and, and saying yes to everything isn't healthy because you're going to. No. Yeah, it's not healthy. It's true. And it's just like for people to know that they can't always have access to you. It just te- it just it teaches them how to value you. And for me, it's like I think it's that ex- it, again, it's that extension. Um, it's that long reach mm-hmm. of white supremacy mm-hmm. that says that you are not allowed to create boundaries for yourself. Right, right, right. right. And, it's, you know, because at some point we weren't. And so it was just like, I think it is definitely one of those offshoots because, you know, you got white dudes everywhere telling you no and, and, and blocking your calls. So, I mean, they don't feel any, they don't feel no special type of way about doing that. <laughs> I don't think the rest of us should either. Um, I'm intentional of the manner in which I respond to inquiries and people wanting to reach out to me I'm also intentional with the times that I respond to these inquiries as well I am really safeguarding my feelings and my emotions in this rocky this rocky 
2020 and um yeah but yeah. you know for the most part i am i'll show people love please continue to show me love right and yeah and just you know don't be racist exactly I tell people, I'm like just to, for me to be generous in spirit doesn't necessarily mean you i have no boundaries yeah. so yeah. like you know yeah oh yeah so yeah. But, well ma'am thank you i appreciate you i appreciate your time um thank you so much for spending an hour or a little bit an hour and some change sure. uh chatting with me and um you know i absolutely will definitely reconnect with you again and mm-hmm. as i expand into some video and maybe some other stuff i would sure. um, calling on you to maybe have another conversation more focused on like just food um, and, and not yeah. necessarily everything else but yeah. um but yeah but thank you yeah again. because that would be like a really good kind of like a, a continuation where we've kind of you know we've kind of had the awkward first date and yes then... yes <laughs> and i'm one of those people i love to talk to food people about food it's there's yeah. something just in, energizing and invigorating about it and it and, you know the podcast has been great to help us like learn about the black women working in these mm-hmm. spaces and who mm-hmm. they are but like mm-hmm. you know for me i i'm definitely thinking through how to get back into like that very indulgent conversation just about food and about eating and dining and you know the things that we love and and how we, and you know what connects us all like the fact that all of us you know find a very have common ground in those spaces because we love food and we love hospitality and we love taking care of people and I love you know talking to other folks about that so yes. um so yes I'm definitely working through some ideas to get yes. to get to that point but well but I'm sending you. all my black girl magic away and <laughs> I hope everything goes well and thank you so much for inviting me absolutely I appreciate you That is all for this week's episode. Thank you to our guests for spending some time with us. And thank you for listening in and for being a part of the Flyest Click in podcasting. If you love these conversations, be sure to download, subscribe, comment, and share. You can get further connected with the Afros and Knives community by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget to visit our website, afrosandknives.com, and sign up for our newsletter. Afros and Knives does this work only with the financial support of our Patreon community. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com backslash Afros and Knives and pledge your monthly support. We are working on expanding into video as well as offering patron-only content this year and you don't want to miss out. Until next week, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, may you be at peace. <laughs>